Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Money Talks. My name is Hugh Meyer. Hope you're doing well. Happy New Year. Excited to be here today. Just to remind everyone, we started Money Talks to help connect uh, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and business executives to small business owners and, and see how they're delivering actionable advice. Very, I'm very excited and honored today to have with me the CEO of HM Bradley here in Los Angeles, Zach Brunke. How are you doing, Zach? Good, good. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent. Very excited to be here. Uh, I'm super, I was very uh, excited to obviously connect with you so I can learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing. Um, I'm very excited about the space you're in and in, in, in fintech in general and why it's really important as we're moving forward. So, uh, you know, again, thank you for being here today. I uh, look forward to our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Well, uh, can you just give the audience a little bit about your background? Yeah, uh, you know, background for me. Uh, so I, I was born and raised in Louisiana uh, and spent, uh, you know, most of most of my, my childhood there, uh, you know, went to college there and then um, actually started my first company when I was 18. Wow. So uh, I built an e-discovery company way back then. And, uh, you know, and I've, I've been doing... Um, Mostly uh, entrepreneurial ventures ever since. Ever since, um, you know, most recently before starting Agent Bradley, I spent about five years as the CTO of an investment bank. Uh, so, as you can imagine, that's you know, living every child's dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been an entrepreneur from a very early age. So, give us a little insight as to like what what's the what was the founding and the genesis of of HM Bradley. Yeah, I mean, look the the simple part of the story is uh, is just kind of the sad truth in banking. I think, uh, you know, I grew up, um, you know, in a family where we weren't courted by banks. That wasn't really a thing. Uh, my mom actually worked for a bank my entire life. Wow. Uh, so she worked for Regions Bank, which is this forty yep. billion dollar bank in the South that most people have never heard of. And my mom ran a cash vault our entire life. Um, and, you know, she was good at her job. She was, you know, but she ultimately also, you know, both my parents were the kind of customers that every bank should want in, in our thesis, right? It's they paid their bills. They saved money well. They always had a mortgage or a car loan of some sort. Uh, you know, they were the, the sort of ideal customer. But the reality is that customer is just not courted. Um, you know, and I learned that sort of the hard way. Um, you know, so... I started my first company. Um, you know, when I sold my first company, I, I walked into a bank branch, and for the first time in my life, my name was Mr. Brunke. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, they had products and services for me, and uh, I think that was just a bad experience for me from a consumer perspective. And it really made me kind of peel back the you know the onion. You know, what's going on here, and why is it that I don't matter until I have enough zeros in my account? And a lot of what we're doing at H and Bradley was kind of driven by the fact that. I would want to bank my parents 100% given that opportunity. And so we said is, look, we want to court the types of customers that we ultimately want to lend money to and do business with. Um, and those aren't the kind of customers that banks typically court. You know, a bank is eight times more likely to court, uh, or sorry, a bank is way more likely to court a, um, a, a professional athlete, but they're eight times more likely to go bankrupt than a typical consumer. And when we look at that kind of thing, that's where we think that's the opportunity here. Um, you know, can we go out and can we build a product that can work for a larger swath of consumers that's more the norm? Um, and can we build something that aligns our incentives with theirs? And that's really what we're trying to do. 
That's that's great. I mean, I I I think what you guys are doing is amazing, and clearly, uh, the venture capital uh, community thinks as well. Congratulations, because you 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 did just get another raise, if I'm not uh, if I'm not correct. Yeah, I mean, so we we just announced obviously a Series A. Uh, we raised eighteen and a quarter million dollars. Really, that is kind of just to keep doing what we're doing. Um, try to accelerate customer growth. Um, really, kind of you know what what we've seen since launch has been. The product itself is resonating incredibly well with customers. You know, they're they're growing direct deposits, they're saving money well. Um, you know, they're they're asking us for more and more products. And basically, you know, we we ended up with a great uh, bunch of people. You know, the team at A Crew, uh, the the team at Concrete Rose, the the team at Pelion. Uh, you know, all kind of just it was the the right set of people around the table, and they all believed what we we're doing, and ultimately. That was really around, you know, what we're what we're talking about, which is lining those incentives and building something that can work, not for every customer, but for any customer that wants to save. Uh, and that's what we felt really, really strongly about going in. That that's great. I mean, it's it's it can't be understated. Um, and I spent the majority of my career at a large institution for which I won't I won't name names. Um, but I, I completely get it. The cult the culture. Um, just does not lead to, you know, the people that you're, you know, you are bringing in as, cu- as customers now um, that are looking for um, an institution that wants to partner with them and that, and that will support and, you know, bring solutions to their clients. And it's not about each, each section being a profit center um, where, where the relationship is completely lost. There is no relationship anymore. So, um, you know, kudos to you guys, um, and your, you and your team for really doing an amazing job so far. Maybe talk to us a little bit about, you know, about the savings program and how it works. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, you know, the really simple gist of what we were trying to do, you know, and what I've talked about here is, that, that idea of aligning incentives and the way that we do that uh, is with a product that we call savings tiers. Um, and the concept of savings tiers themselves is actually really simple. Uh, basically, what we do is we say, look, if you don't have a direct deposit with us, we don't pay you interest. End of story. Uh, the reason we do that is 93% of people in the US that get paid, get paid with direct deposits. Right. Um, so we feel like we're, we're going after a large segment of the market. Most people get paid this way. Uh, we realize that's that's you know leaving out some subset of the market, but not a giant one. Uh, we obviously will try to get them at some point. But once you have a direct deposit, we actually look at what percentage of what comes in that you're actually saving. Uh, and so if you say below five percent, we're still paying you nothing today. Uh, if you say between five and ten, right now we're paying you uh, 0.5. If you say between ten and fifteen, we're paying you one. If you say between fifteen and twenty, we're paying you two. Uh, and then ultimately, if you save over twenty percent of what comes in, we're paying you three percent APY. And, you know, the reason it's powerful is a customer kind of can look at it and go, oh my gosh, I can make 3% APY. And the rest of the market's at 0.5 at best right now, it seems like. Um, It's a pretty compelling offer. But the flip side of it is what we're doing as as a, you know, in a bank account product is we're actually saying, look, we're not going to pay everyone the same rate. And I think our apt comparison was, look, in insurance, you don't price an 80-year-old smoker the same way you price a 20-year-old runner. They're just priced differently. And so what we've tried to do is say, look, if you're saving and you're saving well, you're the customer that we want. And we're going we're gonna to put our money where our mouth is when we say that. Um, and the other thing that, that we really love about it and that I, I personally very much care about is that this is not about how much money you have. 
It doesn't matter if you've got a million dollars with us or $5 with us. Right. You can be our top tier of customer. Um, you know, in fact, we only pay interest up to the first 100K because we didn't want a bunch of whales ruining it for everyone else. Uh, and so really, this is meant to be a product for, you know, the more average consumer, someone that actually is like trying to put money back, wants to save better, wants to learn better habits. And we're trying to teach them that with the way that we're offering the product. That's yeah, that that's really great. I mean, I can't, you know, again, my hat's off to you guys. And, you know, I've really spent a lot of time myself just learning more about, you know, companies like your or institutions like yourself in the fintech space in general, because as you know, you've been involved in it, they get it. I mean, the growing population are it's it's becoming a lot younger, they're more digitally native, and they're actually more apt to save. And you clearly are going to hit hit that demographic of of the people that are you know slowly moving up entrepreneurs small business owners that know that they need to save and then they're being incentivized to do that with you guys yeah yeah no i the, you know the, the craziest part of this whole deal for us i think is learning that the customers are uh, are just way more varied than we originally thought they would be. You know, you kind of hit on like having that segment of the audience, but I think the thing we've been most surprised by are the, the amount of retirees, you know, the, the amount of pensioners, like stuff like that we just never saw coming. So it really has been a really broad audience. In fact, when you look at our user base today, we have almost as many customers born before 1970 as we do after 1990. Wow. Um, which for a FinTech is really weird. Uh, and it's something we're really proud of that we've really been, appeal, been able to appeal to a wide audience. So, not not to delve too off too far off off the the highway here, but it's you know with obviously with interest rates where they are, you know, and most institutions paying you know ten basis points on people's money. How are you guys able to do what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, part of it is is kind of what we talked about. You know, just that aligning incentives really matters because ultimately, when you look at what we're doing and with the tiered rates. You know, what happens is we obviously pay some people that top rate, uh, but we pay some people zero and we pay right. some people one and two and, and 0.5 and all that blends out and it gives us a blended cost of capital that is not nearly that 3% number. Um, and that's incredibly important what we're doing because like, frankly, even 1% is better than you're getting in most places right now. Right. So if you can earn that as a consumer, great. Uh, but what we're doing is we're saying, look, yeah, we're paying people that 3% number and a lot of people get it, uh, but a lot of people also don't. Um, and you know, what's, what's great about that to us is what we're saying is look, these top savers, these people that are coming in and, and socking money away, we're rewarding them for doing that. Uh, but then frankly, you know, a lot like a typical bank would do, we're actually able to go out and, you know, and, and lend money to other consumers and, and make money on those deposits. And I think that's incredibly important to our business model. You know, we kind of came into this knowing that if, if we were going to build a long-term sustainable business, we, we had to be able to create a flywheel here. And, and right. the, the flywheel in banking is actually pretty simple, right? It's like you take marketing dollars and you put that into growing deposits. And then as you grow deposits, you, you actually need to go out and take those and put that money into loans. And then as you grow loans, you grow, you grow free cash flow. And then you put that back into marketing, you do this all over again. And, you know, that's essentially the H and Bradley business model. And I, I don't know if you've ever watched it, it, It's a Wonderful Life, but there's a really good scene where there's a run on the bank and he's trying to right. explain to everyone where their money's going and your money's in Bobby's house. And, you know, and like, and that's, that's the way that banks fundamentally work. And I think our belief going into this was the banking, the, the business model in banking is incredibly sound. There's nothing wrong with it. But the way that banks have gone about doing it for the last hundred years is broken. 
And so for us, our focus is the customer experience, what the customer sees and feels and how that relationship builds over time and how we use that information to really help that customer along the way. You know, I think the, the best example I have is that I've been a Wells Fargo mortgage customer for a decade. Um, and, uh, you know, if I go to buy another house tomorrow, even though my mortgage has been on auto pay for a decade, I'm not going to Wells Fargo first. In fact, like I'm going to go to lending tree and, and see what everyone else is bidding. And then by the way, they're going to pay lending tree double to get me back because they already know me. And to me, the right answer, if you're Wells Fargo would have been to just say, Hey Zach, you're good for 2 million bucks. Don't worry about it. And that's really kind of what HM Bradley's default premise was built off of. Is can we get to that with our customers? Can we get to a place where we can tell you this is what you're good for, no matter what, at any given time on any given day? And that's really where we drive towards. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head as far as the model being, it's it's broken, it's antiquated. And, you know, there's there's savvy guys like yourself, entrepreneurs who are coming after you know, these large institutions that frankly just do not take care of their customers and their clients anymore and don't do it well. Um, and, you know, to your anecdote of your, you know, your mortgage being on auto pay, how incredibly, you know, difficult they make these processes now, you know, um, and, you know, I think not to keep dwelling on it, but I think the PPP was, was, was the microcosm of, why fintech and institutions like yourself are the answer and the solution and why large institutions like the one you've mentioned and others are not. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I think uh, that's definitely the, you know, the belief around here. I think we sort of look at it and, you know, I, I love to use Netflix as an example because, you know, people, people sort of forget that Netflix started by mailing DVDs. Um, you know, and I remind our employees every day that what we're doing today, we're just mailing DVDs. Like it is a very early, slight differentiation of what's going on. But if we do this right, five, 10 years, 15 years down the road, this will look nothing like what you think of as your bank today. Um, because we really will become more of a conduit for the consumer. We'll become a place they can consume all types of financial products. Um, and not just our own. Uh, and I think that's incredibly important to the overall mission and like vision of where we're going. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's everything. I mean, that's, you know, your vision and your value proposition are going to obviously take you guys a long way. And you, you know, you clearly have a great head on your shoulders and, you know, the confidence of, of your, your clients, your customers and, you know, and your investors and, you know, give definitely you keep up the great work. I mean, you've already kind of been alluding to this is, I guess what's next, maybe next steps next on your, I guess your business plan or as far as, you know, taking you guys to another level of partnerships, maybe talk a little bit about to the extent you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I think, uh, you know, the thing is we, we've been growing pretty rapidly and I think some of that's public, some of it's not, you know, I think we, we're really, I think, excited and, and energized by what's been happening. I think even we had our first conversations from the series A until now, which is really only about four months ago, you know, we've actually over 10x deposits since then. Wow. Um, you know, and so as as all that happens, I think the other thing that starts to matter, obviously, very quickly is, can we go out and lend? Can we lend this money? Can we make money on the money, right? Um, that's incredibly important. And so that's really the internal focus right now. We're all pretty heads down and all right, like, how do we engage better with our lending products? How do we do some commercial lending, do different types of lending? You know, because really, ultimately, the best way that we can serve our customers is to build a business model where we can stay in business and keep doing what they love. Um, and we believe that we've got 
you know, the, the platform to do that. And we've got the ability to do that. Uh, and so that's really where, you know, our laser focus is right now. I think, um, you know, the way that I look at it um, and, you know, the kind of the way that I, I kind of told all of our investors after this round, I said, look, I, I think I, I view the world as, you know, we've now got, you know, 30 months of runway and in 24 months, you're going to know, is this a billion dollar company or is it zero? Uh, you know, and I, I really hope it's the, the former, not the latter, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but I think for us to do that, that means we've got to focus on how do we make sure that we can, you know, turn these deposits into profits and, and free cash flow for the business. Uh, and so that's really about what products our consumers want, what products right. that we can do on the back end to, to make money on that. Um, and, you know, obviously when we think about our consumers, it's very clear, um, you know, credit cards, charge cards, car loans, home loans, those are the products they're using. Uh, they make that very clear to us. I think one of our first ever credit card customers, uh, they activated their credit card. Um, they, you know, they got an email saying, thanks for activating your credit card. They responded to the email and they said, that was awesome. When can I refinance my house? Um, and, you know, that's the experience we want to give the customer ultimately. Um, and, and the reason they said it was awesome is because it really is truly different. When we hand someone a credit card offer, it's not your typical go fill out this long form. It's, hey, we already know everything about you. So literally when you get a credit card, it's, hey, Hugh, here's a $10,000 line of credit with a 16% APR. If you want it, take it. And it's literally one click. You know, we call it one click credit. Uh, it's a little cheeky, but it, it's what it is, right? <laughs> like, um, you know, the, the reality is we try to make it as simple as possible for a consumer to keep doing business with us. Um, and that's the goal throughout every single thing that we build is how can we make this so that we're not only like a choice, but we're the first choice. Uh, and we think that's where so many of the, the fintechs have struggled over the years is really becoming that default. So, you know, we led with this in the beginning by saying, if you don't have direct deposit, we're not paying you interest. So if you look at our customer base, you know, 80% of accounts that have a dollar in them have a direct deposit with us. You know, if, if it's funded, it's going to have a direct deposit almost. Um, and, you know, now we're doing the same thing on the credit product side. We're saying, look, you know, just we're going to make it really easy for you to get this card. You're going to know exactly what all the terms are before you even sign up for it. You know, one of the things that I think drove us absolutely mad about, um, you know, just kind of the way uh, some of these products work is that a bank will send you, you know, snail mail and emails and, you know, ads all over the internet trying to get you to apply for this credit card. And then you apply for it. And then after you've already said, can I please have this? Even if they say yes, for the first time, you know what the actual terms are. And for us, that felt like a really backward scenario. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't agree to buy a car before knowing the price. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, so we kind of said, look, we need to put this all up front. We need to be very transparent. We need to learn what are our customers sensitive to? Because if I learn that you're sensitive to a credit line or an APR and someone else is sensitive to the opposite thing, that's a valuable piece of information for our business. Because now I know what, what will drive you versus what will drive the other customer. And that's kind of how we think about everything here. Everything is a piece of information that we can learn from and that, you know, we can, we can actually help build better products for our customer base. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you know, again, you know, great work and, you know, a couple of things there, you know, one, you know, to the, to the, your concept of, of the direct deposit. I mean, that was obviously, you know, very brilliant of you guys to go, go forward with that, you know, because you you're not be, you're not trying to be you know all things to all customers you know you're you're trying to be a niche you're trying to have a focus and you're trying to develop a relationship with someone and you said it you know and that that's right out there you know on the front of everything you know if you want to build a relationship with us this is this is kind of our term this is what we do and uh, you know that 
that to you guys, that'll be obviously, and it's already been be very beneficial as, you know, as you guys can continue on this growth trajectory. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it's one of the things that I was sort of puzzled that more people don't. I think in general in banking, people agree that direct deposit is where you want to be with the customer, but very rarely is it truly incentivized with the account structure. And, you know, I think to us that, that just felt like the obvious play is like, let's just align everything right from the start. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, you're aligning yourselves, you know, as a customer first entity and you also have like, you know, going to the art, to the FinTech part of it, you, you know, this information that you're being provided with, you're using it efficiently and you're legitimately trying to help out your customers with it. Whereas, you know, old line institutions don't have really have a clue as far as how, how that works. Yeah. No, I mean, one of the most interesting pieces of insight for me in this industry was that uh, years ago, I actually built uh, a Plaid competitor. If you don't know what Plaid is, yep. uh, Plaid obviously just, just announced today they're not closing their acquisition from Visa. That was a $6 billion acquisition. Um, but, you know, so I, I, at one time, built 850 integrations into banks almost single-handedly. I was a solo engineer on most of that. Wow. Um, and in doing that, I think one of the most interesting pieces of information for me uh, was that one of my biggest customers that drove the most revenue uh, was a top five bank buying data from themselves for themselves. Uh, <laughs> I was munging their data for them and handing it back to them in a more digestible format than they could do on their own. Uh, and that's the state that we live in in banking right, right now. That's the reality for a lot of these big banks. Um, and I, I just found it hilarious. And you know, when we designed the systems here, we designed everything to get to every single piece of information as easily as possible so that not only could we do it for ourselves, but also for regulators, for customers. Right. Like it's, it's just an overall better experience because I mean, the fact that you still have a credit application at your default bank is crazy, right? This, this bank knows everything about you. If they're doing their job right, they're doing constant KYC updates on you, OFAC checks on you. Right. The fact that you ever go back and put in the same information again is A, just a security vulnerability. It's just one more place that someone could poke a hole. Right. Uh, right. But That's... B, it's just a bad consumer experience. You know, it's like, it, it, it's almost like having to go like, you know, write your, your address onto your mailbox every single day when you walk outside just to make sure the mailman knows where it is. Uh, you know, that that's kind of the world that we live in at the moment in, in finance. And it's just maddening to me as a consumer. Uh, yeah, agreed. I think, um, yeah, you, you bring out some very valid points and especially, you know, with the security as well. I mean, you guys clearly have a, in, you know, a unique knowledge and intimate knowledge of, you know, security and cybersecurity. Whereas again, large scale institutions continue to have issues um, you know, along that. And it's, it's surprising that people stay with, stay with these institutions where they have so much vulnerability. For sure. I mean, like, I look, I think at the end of the day, a lot of these big institutions do a great job of, of keeping their customers secure and they're, they're obviously targets every day. Uh, and we appreciate that, I think. Um, but we also know that, you know, coming at it from a modern stack, you know, like in, in most scenarios for us, we don't touch sensitive data at all. Uh, you know, we have zero knowledge security in a lot of cases because what we're doing is we're using a vendor on one side that they hold a key and we hold a key. Uh, and so our servers don't even touch it in memory. You know, like we don't ever touch our customer social security number, even in memory. Um, you know, and that's that's a really important piece of kind of how we built everything in the tech stack. And I think um, 
you know, a lot of legacy institutions are targets because they know it's all sitting somewhere in a database and right. some DBAs got access to all of it in a free way. And that's, you know, that's not always great. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Keith, maybe talk a little bit about, I guess, the state of fintech as a whole. I mean, it, to some people, you know, they have a little bit of an understanding of it. Others don't have, but it's becoming a, you know, and you just referenced the Platinum transaction. It's becoming such a huge part of what's happening here, you know, not just here, but globally. Maybe talk a little bit about what your perspective is on that. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's for me, I feel like I'm, I'm now the old guy in the space, right? <laughs> like I, I've now watched friends who I helped build demos seven, eight years ago, sell companies for lots of money. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, you know, having been nearly a decade in FinTech at this point, um, I have a really, you know, good outlook on what's going on, but a lot of it I feel like is just things that have been happening for a long time. Like I look right. at someone like Alloy, um, and if you're familiar with Alloy, basically yeah. they build a KYC AML onboarding service for banks. Uh, but I knew Tommy and Laura when they were at their prior company working together, uh, you know, and I've watched them grind, grind and grind on Alloy until now in recent, you know, history, they're just like the darling and everyone loves them, but that, that it wasn't easy for them in the beginning. And so right. I think so much of what's happening in FinTech is a culmination of what's been going on for the last five, six, seven years where people have just been putting in the work behind the scenes. They've been trying to modernize the stack. They've been trying to kind of get there. And we're just now starting to see some of that come to fruition. So I think a lot of earlier investors saw this, you know, three, four, five years ago. And now you're starting to see some public markets attention. Obviously, the the Plaid, I, I would almost certainly guess they'll, they'll be a public company now, now that the visa merger won't happen. Um, you know, so... I think you're just going to see a lot more of this. And I think it's because of the foundation that a lot of these great entrepreneurs and, and great companies have laid. Um, you know, and, and they're frankly, there's a lot of, you know, big old companies behind it. I mean, you know, we run on Fiserv, which, you know, used to be first data, right. you know, now they're a merger, but I mean, they run, you know, Chase and Amex. It's like they're, they're running our processing. So, I mean, you know, some of it is still legacy players behind the scenes that are still thinking about how to innovate and how to keep growing but really doing it in concert um, and, and watching consumers become more and more comfortable. Like I've, I've got to tip my hat to people like Chime and Robinhood who, you know, really make consumers a lot more comfortable with FinTech and they did it by, I think, building great products. Um, you know, and obviously uh, we, you know, we share some investors with Chime and right. including our, our seed round lead and our series A lead, um, you know, and I, I think super highly of that team and what they're doing and, and everything they've done for the market. I think they've created a giant opportunity for a lot of us, you know, and luckily I'm not competing against them really. Like we have pretty different consumer segments. Um, but, you know, I, I think they've paved the way in a lot of ways to, uh, to really allow consumers to think differently about what a FinTech is and what that means. Because ultimately I think consumers are realizing this is not, I, I'm getting the exact same product or experience, but I'm getting it in a way that I actually much prefer. Um, and you know, we, we've done this almost everywhere else now, right? I mean, besides like finance and healthcare, you know, where are you still like dealing with the bad experience for no reason? Cable has been upended, you know, <laughs> cell phones have been upended, right. um, you know, but for whatever reason, banking and healthcare, the two were like, no, we're going to keep these as they are. And I think you're now starting to see an inflection point for FinTech where it's going to start to take over. Uh, a lot of what what just was okay as it was. I, I make a lot of jokes, uh, but I think one of the jokes that I, I frequent around you know financial services in general 
is um you know there's a, there's a movie called Charlie Wilson's War and there's a scene in that movie where Julia Roberts uh, looks at Tom Hanks and she says Charlie why is Congress saying one thing and doing nothing and he uh, leans back in his chair and he takes a sip of whiskey and he says tradition mostly and uh, that's kind of where <laughs> banks have been they've been sitting in their chair sipping whiskey enjoying the fact that they can do the same thing over and over and no one's gonna say anything about it. And I think the same way that Netflix came in and ate Blockbuster's lunch, you're going to see fintech start to eat a lot of banks' lunch. And it doesn't mean the big banks won't exist. Right. But I do think some of the big banks are a little naive. You know, I, I spent a little bit of time with a board member of, of uh, a very large, well, JP Morgan, one of the largest institutions <laughs> in the world. Um, and, you know, his response to me on why fintech wouldn't win is that JP Morgan spends $13 billion a year on technology. And I think my very simple response back was, you know, the only other person I ever hear talk about how much money they spend on something is the government and they're pretty inefficient as well. So I'm not too worried. Uh, you know, and I, I kind of look at it like this, you know, we, we grew to the first, you know, hundred plus million dollars in deposits on less than 5 million bucks raised. So, you know, imagine what capital efficiency could do for banking and what it could do for consumers. And, uh, that's kind of the way we look at it. It's, it's a, you know, it's a big, big world out there, but it's a really big space. And if you look at the top five banks in the U.S. on any given day, they're worth about, you know, $1.1 trillion. Um, and then if you look at banks number five through 100, they're worth another $1.4 trillion. So you're talking about one of the largest industries in the world, um, you know, just sitting here in the U.S., basically undisrupted for 100 years. And I think that's a massive opportunity for a lot of market cap to be hoovered up by players that you may not have heard of yet. So it'll be an interesting it ride. Yeah, no, there's no question. And I think, you know, you're, you're right. You're dead on as far as, you know, talking about how a lot of this has been in the works for a decade and we're now kind of seeing, you know, the fruits and you're seeing the, you know, you're referencing alloy and, and chime and, and institutions like that, that are really kind of coming to the fore now. And, you know, not to keep harping on the complete mismanagement by by large institutions when the first go around of PPP money happened, but you know, there's a reason why there's fintechs out there that were way more successful and efficient and getting loans to people that needed them, and they were not providing loans to people that didn't need them. Um, and I feel like if you're talking about inflection points, I think we may it you know a inflection point may have been back in March and April when you know, this was happening and people were realizing I can't go that, you know, I, I don't trust my large institutions anymore. They can't help me when I need it the most. Yeah. I mean, it definitely felt that way. I think to, to many of us as consumers realizing that, wow, this is not the, the place that used to be my default doesn't even feel like the right place anymore because I can't walk into a branch and speak to a human. Um, and the, the inconvenience of that is real. It was like, they realized, wow, I, I didn't even have the tools that I needed otherwise. Right. Absolutely. How, so, you know, obviously, you know, when you're, you're growing, you have, you got to market and get your name out there. How have you guys been so successful doing that so far? You know, we've been incredibly lucky. A lot of ours is word of mouth. Our customers are just constantly telling other customers. If you look at our, we've, we've spent very little in the way of marketing at all to this point. I think uh, when I looked at it today, we're, we still haven't even eclipsed six figures in marketing dollars yet. Wow. Um, you know, and so, so much of what's happening has been our customers telling their friends. And if you look at our, our users now, almost two thirds of them come from word of mouth of some sort. Um, you know, so that's really great. We've got a referral program now that's running in live, you know, now we've got joint accounts live and that's really starting to pick up. 
um, pick up some steam for us. So I think overall, it's it's been mostly word of mouth. I think we'll you'll start to see more like affiliates and marketing pushes, and we've got a lot of you know kind of. Uh, you know, the influencer crowd reaching out saying, like, how do we talk about what H.M. Bradley's doing? But uh, I really, I think it'll still be for a long time, a lot of consumers going, hey, I'm using this product and I really like it and you should check it out because that seems to be what's working the most for us right now. Hey, that's great. There's nothing better than, you know, having some free publicity. <laughs> yeah, there's that AT&T commercial going around right now about how, uh, what was the, the uh, you know, word of mouth advertising. It's what they did before commercials. <laughs> um, you know, and it's supposed to be funny, but it's it's kind of true. It's uh, you know, it, it goes a long way. Yeah, no, that that's fine. I mean, listen, that speaks to what you guys are doing. The fact that you don't have to plug, you know, tons of money into marketing dollars. Um, and you know, to your 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 anecdote about JP Morgan having to spend, you know, $13 billion on tech. God only knows where that money went. Uh, you know, you guys are doing it very efficiently. Um, and you know, you're building your client base and, you know, word of mouth is great. So uh, kudos to you guys for that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think one of the the most fun parts of this is seeing how many of those big banks have employees depositing paychecks with Jim Bradley. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that ends up becoming a really fun thing to see because you realize like we're, we're building something compelling enough that we're stealing their own employees away, uh, which is a pretty cool feeling. That's fantastic. I mean, listen, that that's that's that says it all right there. Um, so that excellent. Maybe talk a little bit about. I guess what what are some of the opportunities you see going forward for you guys, and then also maybe what are some things that you know may keep you up at night. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know one of the large opportunities is just listening to our customers and understanding what it is they want. I mean, for me. You know, I'm going through another mortgage process right now and I hate it. And I, I think about mortgages more than I think about almost anything just because it's the obvious pain, you know, right. for, for a consumer. So that one is one that I, I chew on a lot. And I think about how do we make this experience just easy and simple? Like I, I want to plug in an address, spit out a form and know that I'm good for it. You know, and it, it's just not not that easy right now. There's just so much that goes into it. And even the pre-approvals aren't really pre-approvals, you know, and that's kind of what you want. You, you just want to know, hey, I'm good for it with these guys. You know, I, I think our our kind of goal at H&M Bradley is to at some point, um, you know, if if you tell, you know, some mortgage broker that you bank with H&M Bradley, they'll stop selling it. Never mind. Yeah, you already have the best product. We understand. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of where... I don't think I'll stop until, you know, we feel that way around a, a handful of products that we feel like we can do really, really well. Um, but I mean, frankly, there's a lot of other places, um, you know, for our consumers where we feel like we can add a lot of value. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a handful of things that I think about a lot. One of those is taxes and, and cash flows. Um, you know, and one of the things I remind our team of all the time is the only thing that I think every consumer has in common is cash flows. It, they're not the same. They don't look right. the same, but everyone has them. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are, you've got those. So how do we help consumers think about how they manage those and you know how they deal with taxes, how they deal with you know kind of the everyday things that come up that frankly, you know your schools didn't teach you. Your, your parents might have taught you if you were lucky, if you had parents like mine, maybe. Um, but you know, can we help do that? And can we help put people in a place where they understand the path they're on? They completely get it. And hopefully, uh, you know, and I think that's the goal for us is can we build something where they just want to use what we're offering because it's a better solution than what they would get otherwise. Um, you know, and so when I think about, you know, kind of where the future lies, I think it's really more about having the consumer trust us and know that, you know, look, we're here to get you the right product, whether we offer that product or someone else does. 
Um, and over time, you know, I think you'll see us do a handful of things pretty, pretty differently than what a typical institution does. And, you know, I kind of remind all of us all the time that, you know, if, if we look anything like a bank account five years from now, we royally screwed up. Um, you know, this should just be a very different solution when it's all said and done, because it really should be about the, the end customer and what they need and making sure that we're getting that to them however we can, even if we don't offer it ourselves. That's great. Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, your vision is very crystal clear. Uh, value proposition is, is very crystal clear. So um, it's it's really great to learn more about what you guys are doing. And I think, you, you know, you definitely hit the nail on the head as far as the, that concept of the cash flows and helping people. And I think more and more people that have kind of an understanding are in the fintech space are, are catering to that and understand that there's a lot, you know, there's a big young, there's a big subset between Gen Z and millennials that they want to learn more about how to save. They want to learn how to grow and build wealth. Um, and, and I feel like they understand, you know, you know, institutions like yourself, you get that. And I think that's a huge deal and it's super important going forward. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I think it's uh, one of the things that we talked about a lot in the beginning is like, what is the persona? What's the personality of H.M. Bradley? And I think, you know, what we've kind of settled on is it's sort of your rich aunt or your rich uncle. You know, it's somebody that you can trust and you can go to and they can give you advice, but they're not going to be prescriptive. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're not going to tell you how to do it, but we're going to give you a path. Like we're going to give you multiple paths along the way and you kind of figure out, you know, how to get there. That's really the goal for us is like, let's, let's show you what some different paths are, some different opportunities to get there are and, you know, pave your own way. Everyone's slightly different. No one is the same, you know, um, and knowing that going into it, I think is incredibly important. And, you know, and knowing that going into it and then looking at what you're doing right now, which is getting the exact same bank account that your grandmother has, like why? Uh, and I think to us, that's the opportunity, you know, therein lies the opportunity to really do something different and, and kind of push the envelope because we feel like we can go out and say, look, you are not one size fits all, you know, you, you shouldn't all be wearing the same exact shirt and you shouldn't all be wearing, using the exact same bank account. Um, and let's tailor some, some features to you to make sure that you're getting what you need. And, you know, we started on the credit card side, you know, our credit card was the first one to ever come out and say, our categories are dynamic. We'll pay you 3% cash back on your top spending category for the month, no matter what 2% cash back on your second and 1% cash back on anything else. And it took Venmo all of six months to copy it just verbatim almost. <laughs> so, you know, it tells you a lot about, you know, kind of, you know, where, and, and granted like full credit to Venmo for like being able to copy it that quickly. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's innovation in itself, you know, good. What do they say? Good artists copy, great artists steal. Um, but you know, I think the way that we look at it is that, you know, anyone that that's taking something we're doing and, and trying to run with it, uh, you know, they're already six to eight months behind at least because what we're, what you're seeing today is not what our end state is. Right. And I think that's the one thing that we constantly have in mind. So, you know, a lot of it will really be about continuing to learn from the information that we're seeing. I think one of the things we're doing right now is tracking all the consumers spending and information and saying, okay, where do they, where do they shop at? What rewards would be most helpful to them? What would be compelling to add to this product? You know, one of the things that we're, we're about to roll out, um, I, I'm actually really excited about is just this idea that, you know, we, we've got savings tiers uh, and then we have this credit card. And to a lot of people that felt like, oh, well, these are two totally different things. The reality is our consumers just spend on credit cards. They don't spend on debit cards. Um, but, you know, one of the pieces of the feedback that we kind of learned from is people are nervous to, to put too much in their H&M Bradley account and spend too much in their H&M Bradley credit card because it's like, oh, I don't want to lose my savings tier. So we're actually going to roll out a feature where we say, hey, look, you know what? 
if if you're uh, if you're spending money on your Asian Bradley debit card and you paid off from your Asian Bradley account, it doesn't cost to get your savings here at all. Um, so keep that tier. Keep worrying about that. Just make this your default account, right? Because that's really the goal. Is like we just want to build a relationship with the customer where we really are like the card they reach for. That's great. Yeah. No. I mean, you guys, uh, you guys got it for sure. Um, you know, definitely in tune with your with your customer. So uh, again, kudos to you guys for all your hard work. Um, so I always uh, take a second in each episode and let my uh, my guests. You know, they they're so kind to have me pepper them with questions. So I always want to let it turn around and give the mic to my guests and and allow them to ask me a question or two if they'd like. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I mean, we've talked a little bit today about fintech and, you know, kind of where that's going, but I, I'd love to hear, and this is something that we we try to do all the time, is just, I'd love to hear from, from your perspective, like, you know, what does fintech mean to you today? Like, what does it actually, you know, where does it affect your life and how are you thinking about it on a daily basis or are you thinking about it on a daily basis yet? Yeah, no, the great. That's a great question. I think so. How the, how I looked at, and I'll start from the beginning. You know, to me, why I started doing this podcast was I wanted to connect. You know, great, essentially connect great people. You know, that are building great things and want to help others and be a resource. And I, you know, I've been doing it now for several months. And you know, the one common theme that to me that's been so problematic, at least here in the US and the States is that, you know, people really need help in general. Like there's, there's, you know, the economy is not, you know, there's obviously parts of the economy are doing really great. And then there's the other part that's doing, it's, it's, it's horrific. And there's still millions of people out of jobs and we're in this pandemic and these old line institutions that we're supposed to have trusted to help, you know, provide loans and provide, you know, capital to small businesses and entrepreneurs that need it, we're not there. And to me, it's like, well, that to me, that's what I, sh- you know, how can I help bridge that gap? So that's kind of led me into the road, into the, into the world of fintech. Just starting to learn about, you know, read on Twitter you know, who, who the, you know, the players are, who's growing, kind of learn a little bit more about their messaging. And, you know, what's happening is just, it's, it's astounding. It's fantastic. And they get it as, you know, your prime example, you, in what you guys are doing, you know, you really want to be in this, uh, the solutions business for your, your end client, your client, your customers. It's not about creating profit centers and, and you, you do it more, it's more efficient. You know, it's more technologically savvy. It's everything that we're, the space needs to be right now. And that's this fintech space, which doesn't obviously include, you know, the JP Morgan's, the Bank of America's, Wells Fargo, these behemoth institutions that frankly, they just don't get it anymore. Their models are broken. They don't have, you know, the technology's not up to date. And we live in a society now that's, you know, where more and more people are digitally native. They don't need to walk into a branch. They don't have any connection there anymore. And to me, it's like, how can I, you know, bring on people like yourself to introduce them to, you know, there's a better way, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a better way. That's, no, it's, it's such an interesting point. I think one of the things that, uh, that I ask every employee and that I still have never got a good answer to yet is, you know, when you think about the way a bank works, um, you know, you log into your bank account and you see a list of transactions that you've already seen before. 
Um, and that's your default screen in every bank you've ever banked with, uh, including at your Broadway today, by the way, um, which, which is changing in the near term. Uh, you know, but if you logged into Delta and it was just a list of flights you'd already taken, would you find that very useful? You know, when you log into Delta, it's about where you're going, you know, where right. are you headed next? And I think that's really one of the things that is just so obvious. And, you know, no one knows the reason. No one's ever given me a good answer. Well, I'm just like trying to get all my transactions. No, it's like no one's ever been like, yeah, that's how it should be. It's just no one's thought about it. And I think that's one of the one of the big opportunities. So, all right, I've got one more question if you got a second then. Please, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you're watching, you're watching FinTech, you're seeing this thing, you know, kind of kind of grow and you're seeing a lot of inflection points. So, um, I guess I'll, I'll make it a two-parter. So, one... Um, you know, who's, who's your favorite, uh, established FinTech and then who's your favorite up and comer right now that you, that you're seeing out, out in the market? Wow. Um, like, and we're just talking about in the, in the banking space. No, not necessarily banking. Oh, any, I, I, I mean, broader FinTech. Yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think as far as, um, I guess up, uh, there's a couple in the up and coming space just because they responded so well and so efficiently to the kind of the PPP end of everything. So there's names like, um, there's a, there's a, there's a bank called Cross River Bank, which is in the East Coast institution. Yeah. Um, that did extremely well as far as processing and getting out PPP loans. And then, out here, there's another one called Blue Vine, which you may be familiar with. Yeah. Because um, to me, it was to me that's so important is is these institutions that are you know got involved in that and and are actually have efficiently gotten money to the people that need it and are helping you know support those entrepreneurs and support those small business owners that you know unfortunately and horrifically were impacted by you know the COVID in 19. So for sure. Um, yeah, the ability to iterate and be nimble, I think is incredibly important in situations like that. And I think they definitely showed a lot better than a lot of the large institutions. They were prepared for it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think chime, like you bring about chime and they've, they've done a great job. I mean, they've, they've grown obviously tremendously um, and have a great, you know, guy running the ship. Uh, who I who at one point actually worked with another friend of mine, Green Dot, way back in the day. Um, so yeah, I, I, but I think you know in the the space in general. I think, and, and you you're 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 clearly one of these kind of people that it's all about the people that are leading these ships and the culture that they're creating. And the one thing I I see through the majority is they're just great people. Um, and they want to talk about it. Like I, I, I like to, you know, I'm trying to find more and more people like that. And they're very open. They want to engage. They want to talk about what they're doing, what their value proposition is, and how they're really trying to help. And clearly, that's a huge differentiator relative to any large institution. Yeah, it's a really small community. I think people are always surprised by that. But it, it truly is. I mean, it's... Uh... It's, you know, a, a handful of players and I, you know, you feel like, like I said, I feel like I've grown up in FinTech and kind of watched everyone, you know, flourish or, or, you know, do the opposite or flounder. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, I think, an industry where a lot of us help each other. We all know each other, you know, pretty well. And we're always trying to kind of think about, you know, how we can lift the others up, which is really nice. It's, it's a really, it feels like a really great place to, to be right now, but also, you know, for the last 
you know, seven, 10 years, it's been a really nice place to, to be a founder. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think uh, in general, all of us wanted to see the industry move forward. We're not really rooting for one over the other necessarily in a lot of cases. It's just, look, this is objectively better for the consumer. Um, and as a consumer, I, I want a better experience. And so we're all kind of in this together. Uh, you know, but it's, it's definitely a fun, a fun bunch and a really, you know, a really smart, I think thriving community right now, which is a fun, fun to be a part of. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, and you're great. They're all great. It's a great community. It's great people. And you got, and and you clearly all get it. And as far as with tech, with respect to technology and, and, you know, how efficient and how important it is and how, you know, again, this growing sector subset of the population is digitally native, um, this kind of, I've, the one common theme I've talked about a lot of my podcasts is like this analog we've, we're leaving, or we may have left the analog world and last year kind of hit the accelerator on that as far as, you know, having this understanding of the digital world, which is a huge world. And obviously FinTech is a part of that, but it's, you know, I love being able to introduce these concepts to people, uh, and you know, people like yourself. So they realize there are, there are better solutions out there. For sure. Um, so yeah, appreciate that. Thank you, and and thank you again for all your um, your uh, your your pieces of information, your stories, and 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 really getting a better insight to what you guys are doing. I'm I'm very excited for you guys, and lo- looking forward to you know watching you guys grow. Uh, it's a great story. Thanks. Yeah. No. Uh, you know, looking forward to to writing the rest of it. Hopefully, there's a lot more to come. Absolutely. So uh, as we conclude here, maybe if you have a final thought or piece of advice for our, for our viewers. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think on the advice side, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things I was really lucky um, was to just have wonderful parents. You know, my parents taught me, you know, good savings habits along the way and it's, it's ingrained into to what I do. Uh, and obviously we've now ingrained that into our product. you know um, you know, the, the piece that I always try to remind everyone, you know, because everyone seems to, to strive to save. And if you talk to people about it, most people say they prioritize it, but it seems hard. Uh, and the thing that I try to remind people of is, you know, you don't have to be a saver to start today, right? Like all you got to do is start today and keep going. Uh, and so if you've ever thought about it, if you've ever wanted to be better at it, uh, I think what our product does is really helps you, you know, think about it and, and put that, you know, as your best foot forward, because we're rewarding you when you do it. Uh, and we're, we're trying to do the kind of the opposite of what you see out of the big banks, which is rewarding you to spend everything that you earn. Um, and so if you've ever thought about it, if you've ever wanted to be better at it, um, if you, if you've ever really, you know, wanted to learn how to become a saver, I think, you know, H and Bradley is the best bank account in the world, frankly, if, if you're a saver. Love it. That's a, that's a great way to end. Uh, Zach, it was really great to meet you finally. Thank you for being here today. And like I said, uh, excited to, to hear more about you guys. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was great to connect. Yeah. Same here. Uh, thanks everyone for being here uh, we'll, we'll, for another episode of Money Talks. We'll be back again next week. Remember, if you get a chance to like it, subscribe on our YouTube channel and uh, we'll be back again soon. Again, my name is Hugh Meyer. This is Money Talks. Take care.